Ever wonder what it's like to be a Bassmaster Elite Series rookie? Well, we're going to find out this week because we have an Elite Series rookie, a Bassmaster Classic qualifier, a Bassmaster Open winner. Cooper Gallant joins me this week on... I'm Bob Cobb from the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer. It is Wednesday. You know what that means. Welcome one, welcome all friends, family, freeloaders, fishing freaks. You're all welcome here at the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast that goes by my last name, which is Mercer. Happy hump day. You were halfway through the week, and it's a short week for most of you. I mean, for everybody in Canada. This past weekend, July 1st, we celebrated Canada Day, which was on a Saturday. So I think most people were off on Monday, but my American brethren... Independence Day, July 4th, I tried to celebrate all of them, all of them, and, and, and in the mix of celebrating them, I almost didn't make a podcast for you this week, but remember, I promised that I would be here um, through thick or thin, and that's why we are here this week. So the good news is most of you are, uh, you know, feel like you just went back to work. Um, if you're in countries outside of Canada in the United States, I hope you had a short week too. I mean, um, uh, let us know where you're watching from. Actually, that we haven't done that in a while. Let's do a roll call in the comments. Let us know where you're watching from. What what country, province, country, state? Where where are you call? Where are you not? You're not calling. I'd love to do that. I mean, who would like to watch a call-in version of this? If we could, the problem is then it would have to be live. Um, which I don't know we'll ever do. I mean, I know some of you asked to do a live show, and we may do a special here or there. But the problem with doing live is because I'm an idiot. I mean, it is literally close to the middle of the night when we're recording this show. Well, not quite the middle, but it's late for me. Um, I got to shoot tomorrow, but literally... You just fit them in when you can. And I think that's one of the things that allows this show to be so candid and relaxed. Because I'm asking the guests to join me at their leisure. Not to, uh, not we're recording at this time on this night, that sort of thing. So I don't know that we'll ever do that um, on the reg. We may do a few, but it would be great to have a call in. Because some of your comments, I mean, I read every single one of the comments... I try to answer to all of them. Um, it may take me a while, but I literally try to get to every single one of them. Um, but I'd love to hear some of those in audio version. Uh, I'm just being honest. I mean, normally uh, people, you know, they they just read it. and But I, some of those, I mean, I want to hear the voices connected to the people that make those words. And you guys are the people that make this show. This week's show is going to be a fun one. And uh, before we move on, um, I'll just move. Let's move on anyways. I mean, I, I, I babble too much, really. I mean, well, which is probably a good thing if you're going to host a podcast, which I guess I am an officially a podcaster because this is our 117th episode the average podcast lasts seven episodes. This proves that we last and at least 110 episodes more than the average podcast. So we're way better than the average podcast. This podcast is the number one podcast on this particular channel. But like I said, I'd love just to have a call-in special. Somebody let me know how to make that happen. Um, we could do that. But this week, we're going to talk to a bright young star in the sport. Somebody who's been on here a few times, but this is his first time joining this show as a Bassmaster, officially as a Bassmaster Elite Series Pro. And one of the things we hear every single year is from the rookies and how tough it is to be a rookie and the goods, the bad, the difference. What's it really like to be a rookie on the Bassmaster Elite Series? And we're going to try to learn that this time. We're going to try to learn that with my buddy Cooper Gallant. I mean, he's had a decent year. I'll ask him to see where he kind of rates his year. But I would say, uh, you know, he's made some cuts. He's, I think, 
right at the classic cut right now. We're going north for the next three events. I would assume those will go well for him. Um, so I'd say he's having a good year, but but that's just my opinion. You don't tune in here to get my well. Sometimes you do, but I'm mostly you tune in to get the guests' opinions. So without um, further ado, I don't even know what that. I say it all the time. Without further ado, I don't even know what that means. A do, I guess. Uh, let me know what a do means. Uh, it just sounds without further ado, and it sounds even better when you have a name like Cooper Gallant. Let's join him right now in Bowenville, Ontario, Canada. Cooper Gallant, you have once again made an appearance in the show, and I joked with you a minute ago, it looks like your whole, I mean, everything's got cleaned up around you, but I found out it's because there was a family flood and they, they moved you out of your vast den that you lived in in the basement. Yeah, yeah, it's a disaster down there. There's like a foot of water and boxes of baits and like i was telling you I had old hard drives from footage from when i was like 10 years old they're all gone so it sucks but could have been worse dude i don't know i mean floods are horrible so hopefully uh, you get all your stuff back but i don't know if you realize this but i looked back on a couple of appearances that you've made in this show you're quite the freaking predictor i don't know if you realize this but but the first time you were on it was a it was our 35th episode, I believe, and I wrote I wrote down the title so I'd get it right. It was Fearless and Focused. That's before you had that's before you had qualified for the Elite Series or won a Bassmaster Open. In that event, in that podcast, you kind of predicted Cherokee. I asked you what lake you're looking for, and you're like, Cherokee's gonna be a lot of fun. That's one I'm looking forward to. And then you won that. And then you were on before, after that victory, but before. The 100-pound St. Lawrence River Tournament where Jay Shakirik broke Corey Johnson's heart. The only miserable yeah. person ever weighing 100 pounds, Corey. But you predicted the 100-pound prediction. So what are you going to predict this time? <laughs> I don't want to jinx anything either, you know? Yeah, I yeah. hear you. I'm going to predict the next three events are going to be a good time for sure. We're up in the north, get a smallmouth fish. It's uh, It's been a fun year so far, far fishing for largemouth. I love fishing for largemouth, but... As everyone knows, us Canadians, we have a special place in our heart for brown ones. So now I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. It's been uh, it's been a while, so it'll be fun. How um how different is? I mean, you're a Bassmaster Elite Series pro now. You, I mean, you're three events left, and you're not even a rookie anymore. So you kind of have got a good taste of it at this point. How different is being on the Elite Series than what you envisioned a few years ago? Yeah, it's definitely different for sure. Um, I mean, I think the biggest difference going from like, say the opens to, to the elites was practice time. Obviously there's um, you, you, you were able to spend more days on the water practicing for a tournament. Now on the elites, you get two and a half or, or three days if you want to stay out till dark on the final day of practice. But uh, that was the biggest difference there. Um, but as far as like the whole fishing thing goes, like going out, trying to find fish and figure out the deal. I feel like that doesn't feel any different. Like, you know, it's no different than fishing a clubby or a, and I mean, it's way different, but you still have that same goal of going out to try and find the winning fish. Um, but yeah, it's definitely different, but it's definitely feels the same in certain scenarios at the same time. Do you think it's imperative for you to think that way, even if it isn't that way? Like if you really get wrapped up in that, wow, I'm fishing the elite series, like you kind of have to think about it just like a club event, you know, to not make it too big in your head. Oh, for sure. For sure. I think it can, it can definitely hurt you. That's when you start spinning out and, you know, start running around like a maniac and you're just not thinking straight. Um, you know, like, like Matt said at Robertson, like part of you has to not care, you know, like you kind of just have to go out and kind of have that little part of you that just doesn't care. Um, which obviously we all care and we want to catch them, but um, yeah, you don't want to spin out either and, and get in the wrong headspace. So how do you not care about something that you've been obsessed with a good portion of your life? Yeah. It's, it's, it's not like that. I don't care. It's just like when you're on the water, that. like it's hard to explain, honestly, it's just one of those things where it's like, 
it is what it is. Like I'm going to do what I'm going to do everything I can. And uh, if I catch them, I catch them. If I don't, I don't, you can't really do anything about it at the end of the day. If, if you don't catch them, it's done and over with. So, yeah. How would you uh, assess your performance up to this point? Um, honestly, I'm not, I'm not very happy with it, to be honest with you. Um, but at the same time, like I'm still, you know, right there for the classic. And that was one of the goals coming into this year for sure. Um, so I'm happy and very disappointed at the same time with, with how I've done leading up into the Northerns, but, uh, I'm on the elites and it's all I've ever wanted to do. So I'm just thankful to be here. I just got to make sure I catch some bass in the next three and, and qualify for, for the classic next year. Um, obviously my first classic was last year after winning on Cherokee, the open, and after being on stage with you, Dave, man, like coming into like fishing the opens and like the hunger I had fishing the opens to try and get to the class and get to the elites. Like I was so hungry and I couldn't, I never thought I could be more hungry to get back. But once you fish it once, it's like the hungry is incredible. Like I can't wait to, 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 to fish these next three events to try and get back there next year on Grand Lake. What has been the most, intimidating fishery for you this year or has there been any um the most intimidating probably the sabine like i i like those grinder events i really do but like it was one that like in a lot of our heads i think we're like i just need to catch them and survive it you know and that's kind of how that's kind of how i felt going into that one like i was a little like man it can go so right but it can go so, so wrong. That's one, one of the biggest tournaments of the year, in my opinion, as far as, um, you know, like if you don't make the classic and a lot of the times you look back and it's, it's an event like the Sabine that you just didn't catch them. So when you say you're not, you're, you're ha thankful to be where you are, yep. but, but you, you hold yourself to a higher standard. You know, if you're not happy, where have you been weak this year? Has it been you? Has it been decision-making? Has it been bad luck situations? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of everything mixed in, Dave, honestly. A little bit of bad luck, a little bit of decision-making. Um, yeah, just just a little bit of everything. Um, and, it, yeah, like, I'm still very happy with how it's been going. It could be a lot worse. But us as anglers, you know, we always want to do do a lot better. Um, and one of my goals this year was, was rookie of the year, and I'm a little behind on that. But uh, it's uh, it's all good. Well, I mean, it's it's not a normal rookie class either. Like, it feels like a broken record. Like, every year we're like, oh, this is the rookie class. But, dude, two of them have won. <laughs> Another one is yeah. two top threes. Like, yeah. it, the rookie class is insane. But, I mean, three events a lot can change in three events. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I don't know exactly how far behind I am. I don't know if I have a shot. I haven't really done the math or anything. But you never know, right? Lots of lots of fishing to be had, and you are going to see some flip flopping going on in both the rookie of the year and uh, the angler of the year race. Um, there always is come the northern swing. So, yeah, we'll see what happens, but we're going to give it our all. Which events have shocked you this year? Um, which events has shocked me? Probably Lake Murray. That was one that I was like, the weight shocked me. Like guys caught him. Yeah. Everyone. Oh, it was insane. Um, that was pretty wild. Uh, what else? What did you yeah, expect that, that tournament to be going into it? And obviously less than what it was. Yeah. I just didn't think there'd be as many big, well, what was it? I think it was like 17 a day to get a check or something crazy. Uh, it was huge. Yeah. Yeah. Like guys, guys caught him. And I did not think it was going to be that high. And, uh, yeah, guys caught him. Uh, I didn't, I don't know where I ended up there, but I had one good day and, uh, I think I had like 19 on day one and I came in with like 14 and a half on day two, something like that. But that was a brutal practice for me. That was one where I was like a little, like, what is going on? Cause I know how many fish live in there. Like it's loaded with giant bass. And like, I don't even think I caught a limit in one day of practice of being there, which blew my mind because wow. there is so many bass out there. And then come tournament day, I started to catch them and get on a deal. Um, 
but yeah, it was it was crazy. Definitely shocked me. Are you learning as this? Like, I want to try and figure out what it's like to literally be an elite series rookie. Like, as this moves on, do you walk away from events and be like, "Well, that's different." Like, what stands out to you as as different on the elite series, or is it anything? Uh, the biggest difference going back to the practice, um, you know, three days, it flies by. Um, like for the opens, I was doing five to seven days practice and, uh, cutting that down into three. That's a little bit of a, a learning curve, but honestly, I do like, I enjoy it. You know, you're not as burnt out come the tournament day. And, uh, yeah, but that's the biggest thing is, is the practice days and, and just trying to, 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 to narrow, like just get a good game plan over three days of practice to try and figure something out what the fish are doing. And, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's just different. You don't have as much time as you did in the opens. So that's the biggest thing that, that really stood out to me. One of the things that you've talked about in the past is your need to just Zen out or whatever in your boat, just chill out and, play with tackle and prepare. And that was something you did a lot in the opens and the time allowed you has the elite series affected any of that process, or have you still been able to get away from the media that floats around the different, you know, the distractions of the elite series? Yeah, for sure. Um, honestly, like it feels as far as the fishing and everything goes like, and all the distractions, there definitely is distractions on the elites between media and all that. But uh, like when I'm on the water, it, it doesn't feel any different. Like going back to, it doesn't matter if you're fishing a club, you, it, do, it really doesn't feel different. And I think I've said this before, but like, it's weird. Sometimes I'm on the water and I'm forgetting I'm even like in a tournament. It's so weird. I kind of zone out, you know, I remember at the classic, I remember looking up at Colin, my brother, he was in another boat filming and I'm like, geez, boys, we're in the Bassmaster classic like almost forgot and I'm like I gotta pull the trolling motor up and figure something out like I just got in this zone and I was just like so zoned out but uh yeah I don't know where I was going with that but yeah what what has the classic I mean I'll be honest dude I've seen a lot of people fish the classic for the first time regardless of where they finish good bad or indifferent I mean there's only one person that leaves there satisfied with their finish so, I mean, it doesn't matter where they finish, but dude, I will say this. It felt like, I mean, you had an immense amount of people show up to support you, but it felt like a freaking celebration of Coop. Like, to be honest, like there's a lot of like where people are like, it just, it's a, it was a different vibe. You know what I mean? But it was so positive and so cool to see that many people behind you. What did that feel like to you? Oh, it meant everything. And I think it kind of showed a little bit on day one there. I choked up on day one on the stage and it was pretty crazy. Like there were so many people from Canada that were there that like are like friends back home. that didn't even know we're coming. And like, it was pretty cool to just see everyone, like a bunch of my close friends growing up in school that don't even fish came <laughs> family, friends, brothers, girlfriends, and, and all that. It was pretty incredible. And, uh, you know, I, I said it on stage. It was one of the worst tournaments I've ever had, but it was by far the best weekend of my life between the whole experience, fishing the classic, being with the friends and family. And then to top it off, Gussie, Gussie taking the trophy home. That was, that was insane. I'm pretty sure I cried too. And he hoisted it. I can't believe he didn't cry. <laughs> yeah. He was rock solid. I'm, oh, I'm yeah. amazed. I mean, he, yeah. it, it, he, uh, I thought he'd get emotional, but, uh, no, I mean, he, I think he used a lot of emotions up on the drive back when he didn't yeah. think, I mean, the most entertaining part of the Bassmaster classic, hardly anybody got to see. And it was a side of Gussie that you hardly ever see, but it was that hour when he drove back and thought, you know, there were many F bombs screamed to the skies of Knoxville, Tennessee, I think, because oh, he sure. thought he lost the Bassmaster classic. Um, what did watching him, what kind of impact is that? I mean, everybody says, I mean, there was a sea of Canadians that are like, watch, I'm so motivated to do it and stuff. But aside from the obvious, 
I mean, this is one of your buddies. This is a dude that you've looked up to as a competitor, but also he's, he's one of you, you know what I mean? Like he's to see him win the Super Bowl of bass fishing. What, what does that do to a competitor like you? Yeah, it, it fuels the fire. It was just like watching all the three Canadian boys fish the elites. Like that was like one of the top three things that fueled my fire to try and do it. And, uh, and then, yeah, after seeing him win the Bassmaster Classic, like the biggest fishing tournament, bass fishing tournament in the whole world. And like, you know, again, like you said, buddy, Canadian, really good guy and holding the biggest trophy in the world. And that's all of our goals is to hold that one day and, and seeing him hold it, it just, man, feels the fire. You know, it's, it's insane. Anybody intimidating? Like um, anybody this year? intimidating probably christy honestly he's pretty intimidating like how just it's just i mean things he says or just just the aura up. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah he does have that yeah. but dude he's honestly one of the nicest people on earth i mean a lot of that is and i might be part to blame for it because i start calling him the most feared man in pro fishing people yeah. think i meant like aggressiveness but what i mean by it and i I think your statement proves it is when he came to the elite series, there's a lot of people that they're like, Oh, so-and-so's coming. This is cool. But when he came to the elite series, there was guys that that's the emotion that I felt like, you know, he had that aura around him. Like when he was in the top 10, people feared him. Like they're yeah. not physically scared that he's going to come punch him in the throat, but which yeah. he could, uh, <laughs> but uh, he, uh, he just commands that kind of respect and, and I think deservedly. So. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to, uh, I want to room with them. <laughs> well, you're to, always like, by yourself generally, yeah, aren't you? I'm just saying that cause Gussie started room with Christy after he won the classic and then Gussie won. So it's like, I need to try and get in room with them <laughs> for next year. Maybe I'll win on grand. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty incredible the way they've, I mean, it's worked out pretty good for them. Getting away from the Johnstons is uh, not the, the worst. It turns <laughs> out. How have you been able to stay away from the temptations and libations that float around the Matt Robertsons and the Johnstons of the world and such? Or have you? Have I avoided it? Like hanging around? Yeah, with them? yeah. Like I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't avoided it. But like, come Derby time, I. I just like doing my own thing. It's all I've kind of ever done throughout the opens and, and back home and stuff, fishing tournaments. It's, I just do not like the dock talk. I don't even like getting off the water and talking about fishing at the end of the day. I'm just getting ready for the next day, go fish and try and figure them out. I don't, I don't like hearing how other guys are catching them or anything like that. And you know, when you're with people, it's hard and I, I've done it before and it's like, it's hard to avoid and you do end up chatting with them about fishing. Like you can't help it. Like yeah. you're just a couple buddies talking fishing, but, and I love talking fishing. just like not during, not during the tournaments. Like I'll probably always room on my own just for that reason. When did you learn that doc talk is a, I mean, was, is that something that you've learned yeah. a long time ago or when, when did this philosophy evolve for you? Yeah, it probably started when I first started going to the States. Um, like me and Danny went down a couple times for like the Bass Nation High School Championship and things like that. And we'd get info and like it would never work. Like I'm never. talking never. <laughs> and I'm like at the end of the tournament, we're like, man, we should have just won fish and did what we like to do. Um, so I was kind of lucky that that happened early on because I kind of learned pretty quick that, you know, it can't help you obviously, but. I feel like more times than none, it, it, it pulls you down. How does it, I mean, everybody hears that all, you know, people say, stay away from doc talk and whatever, but, but how does it pull you down? Does it just send you in the wrong direction or it just clears that clean slate that you might be looking at things in a normal situation? Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is regret too. Like if, if it does steer you in the wrong direction, and like I said, like I had regrets of talking to people um, growing up and that's the worst. Like, oh, I should have done this. I shouldn't have listened and I should have just done my own thing. Like I would rather 
like I would rather not get info and learn the hard way and, and learn from it on my own and get info and 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 not catch them at all like that's that's the worst feeling ever it's like and it's just it's just much more rewarding too and you kind of just do your own thing and figure it out on your own I think it's better off like in the long run that's what I've told a couple buddies in the opens I'm like just do your own thing you're better off doing your own thing and not making it for another three years than getting a yeah. bunch of info and making it next year you know that's how I look at it well, cause you're putting the pieces legitimately putting the pieces together. Um, yeah. is that the scariest thing in pro fishing right now? The, it feels like there is, and I hate to say this, but it feels like it's coming from a lot of the lower tier. You know what I mean? High school, college, you, you hear these stories about people being helped and it's, it's a fast route to a short career. Yeah. Um, it, it Am I reading that right? Is that what you see on the water? Yep. Yep. For sure. For sure. And I guess it's just a situation where people are trying to get ahead, but, but it just, it, it just doesn't last long. How, how does that change in fishing? Do you think, or, or can it change? What do you mean? Like how do, how do we get, I mean, it's obviously not a good trend for the sport yeah. to have that happening. How do we, make it better no info at all at all yeah so i would love that like zero info second the schedule comes out you can't get any info zero and what is it now you can get info right up until the first day of practice oh really in the opens Oh, no, no. I'm talking elite series. Oh. You're, you're saying opens. They got to oh, have that. Sorry. I was talking the opens. Yes. Okay. I have it the same as the elites where you can't get info. So then it's got to be the same in college and it's got to be the same in high school. But how do you patrol such? That's I know. You, you, yeah, exactly. You can't. It's just one of those things that yeah, I don't know. You can't you can't police it. Unless you like put every angler on a lie detector test, which is never going to happen. But yeah. I think the the right way to place it is to have the right voices speak on it. You know what I mean? You're always going to have people that want to push the limits. But I think if if the majority of people like yourself speak about it, there's people watching you right now that are looking up to you and they, they want to be in your spot in a few years. Well, the statement that you just made a few seconds ago about, you know, it not working is I think in my opinion, that's a big way to change it. I mean, sure. There's rules and things that people could put in, but ultimately people need to know to do the right thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Do you, do you think cheating happens at all on the elite series? No, like no. I mean, there's, I think, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's pen like, not like any major cheating. Like you can't, like we all have marshals in the boat. You can't do any major cheating, but I think there is times where there's, there's rules broken for sure. I think it's competition. I think that, the, I mean, that's been the big chat for the last few months where, you know, and there's a percentage of people that believe that if you're not pushing the you know the rules then you're you're not trying hard enough yeah what's your take on that yeah i don't know i i honestly i don't uh i don't know i'll be completely honest i don't i don't like talking about like i just don't care honestly like really yeah like for me like like going back to that whole keith poche thing and stuff like so many people are like bringing it up to me i'm like honestly i don't even care like i've heard it so many times yeah. like just drop it like that's kind of how i look at it i don't like talking about it or i don't know smart yeah, i mean you're, uh, it doesn't talking about it and getting upset about it and yeah you know what i mean whenever people start debating stuff like that it, it ends up with somebody upset uh, yep. and ultimately to achieve the goal that you want to achieve you just need to focus on the next bite yeah exactly how do you do that? I mean, it's part of a part of what you're doing. I mean, it's supposed to be your break right now off season. And I know 
you literally just got home. How much time are you spending on the road preparing for these next three events? Yeah, so I've uh, literally just got home about 40 minutes ago. I just got home from Champlain, and uh, I've been on the road for two and a half weeks now, two weeks. I went to St. Clair, St. Lawrence, Champlain, just looked around. Uh, I've never fished uh, St. Clair, so I just kind of wanted to boat around for a couple days, see the lay of the land, and uh, went to Champlain. I fished there a few years back in Acosta, and again, just wanted to go back and check it out, and then St. Lawrence. Um, I've only been to the St. Lawrence really four times in my life, so I don't I don't really know it that good, as good as a lot of people think, so I went there to spend some time, like, to to just boat around a little bit and, and get prepared that way. That's a big, like, I love going to lakes prior to when we go, like just to see the lay of the land, look around. It's been a big help for me in the past, especially places like, you know, uh, like Rayburn, for example, um, like just stumps, flooded stumps everywhere. Like you can easily spend a day just idling, trying to figure your way around the lake. So that's, uh, that's a big reason why I go down prior to do a little pre-practicing. Is that the coolest thing about the sport of competitive fishing? Just doing that discovering. Yeah. I love it. I love sitting behind the wheel and looking around, looking at the side imaging and just looking for fishy places. And it's like, it's one of those things too. It's like, Oh, that looks good. And then like you come back in like a couple days or a month and a half in this case, pre-practicing. And like they're just being fish there. I'm like, that's pretty cool. I found that zone like a month ago. Yeah. yeah, that's one thing that stands out to me about you, just knowing you for as long as I have and and just following your social media and stuff like that. You'll get some people who show up in the lake and they'll be like, Oh, we stuck behind this wheel for the next three days, just graphing. You love that part of the process. Like oh I, yeah. I mean, if it was literally if you were fishing in an arena where the fish were set and it was that would lose the excitement of the sport for you, would it not? Oh, for sure. For sure. No, I, I love hopping behind the wheel and idling around. It's just cool. And like, you learn a lot too. Um, just between like staring at a map for so long and just things click a lot quicker when you spend a lot of time being behind the wheel. And uh, yeah. And, well, and th this year, like, I'll be honest, like, I feel like, pre-practice only really works for me like 30% of the time. A lot of the time it's, it's, it does not help like honestly, but the biggest thing for me is just seeing the lake and seeing how it sets up. And I got also got to believe it's a point in your career. I mean, you, you haven't been to all the lakes and you know, this is when, you know, your just, career's just starting. This is when you're supposed to outwork everybody out there. I mean, you, you, I mean, unless you're different than anybody else, I mean, as it, as you age, the ability, number one, to do that, the, the, the distractions that, you know what I mean? Sponsor commitments yeah. and things like that. If your career goes the way you want. So now's time to, you know, plant the seeds basically for the future. Um, how does that change you as an angler though? Like, I, I think that's one thing that people way underestimate just like, the split second decision-making and stuff that everything just gets so much more precise. The more days you're on the water. For sure. For sure. Like it's like there's times I'll, I won't fish for like three weeks and I get on the water and like, I just feel funky. Like the more time, the more times you're on, like when I'm on the water for like days on end, like, like you said that just everything clicks so much quicker and making decisions and, and things like that. Um, yeah. Like if I wasn't on the water as I much was this year, like fishing, fun fishing, fishing other lakes and stuff. Like, I feel like I'd be like, I, I need to be on the water in, in order to, to catch them and continue to try and catch them. Like, I don't know. I feel, I feel like I get rusty quick, you know, like I need to keep fishing. Do you feel there's some anglers that don't need to be on the water as much? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Really? Yeah. I feel like, I feel like a lot of, I feel like some people like they need, they need a break from the water for, 
two, three weeks, regroup, and then get back out. Like, it's tiring being on the water every day. Like, it drains you. Like, you can burn yourself out for sure. Have you felt some burnout? Like, what were back-to-backs like for you? Because I know that's always a huge adjustment for people. Honestly, I love it. And I mean, really. I also didn't fish. I think for the back-to-back, I didn't make the cut. So I had two extra days. But, like, for, like, someone who made the 10 cut and they have to drive on the Sunday and fish the next morning, that's that's a lot. So, but, no, I, I love the back-to-backs. Like, I wish we could do, like, three, three, and three, honestly. Really? I would, I would love that. Why? Just, yeah. like, three... Big long break, three, big long break, three to finish off the year. I don't know. I just like keeping her going. Like we fish a tournament and like I just want to get the next one started every single time. So that's why I like the back to backs. Have you, it, fe- it feels like to me that you've really focused all elite. Like, you know, even, yeah. even at home here, you know, Corey and Chris win every tournament they enter, but you're, you're not fishing those because you've been, on the road pre-practicing is it all in on the elites obviously yes 100 percent. like my biggest i've had a bunch of people ask me like why aren't you doing the opens why aren't you doing the canadian open back home and trust me i want to the boys smashed them last week and it looks like a lot of fun um i definitely am missing doing some tournaments back home and you know i'm gonna be wanting to be on the st lawrence river fishing the open when all those boys are out there but coming into this year i told myself like my rookie season, first year, I just need to focus on the elites and and that's it. That's kind of, you know, and I, I don't regret anything. Like, I'm glad I did that 100% for sure. One of the coolest things for me to watch this season has been, um, and I, dude, I, I think that you can't, you might think it's kind of cool now, but I think as you age and just the way the world works out, you're going to look back and be like, that was one of the coolest times of my life. But watching you and your dad travel around, yeah. you know, at many events he came and shot, you know, for your YouTube channel, for you. Uh, but I'm just like, there's so many moments that I'm like, man, this is for him and you. You know what I mean? That the, these, are, these are the good old days that are happening right in front of you. Do, do you feel that? Oh, 100%. I enjoy every minute being with them and, you know, like I don't take it for granted. And, you know, that, that, that one photo you sent me there and I looked at him like, that's sweet, you know, like, and it's, he, he hasn't missed an event this year. He's came to every single event and uh, he's going to come to the next three and it's pretty awesome having him around. We get along and uh, super supportive and it's just fun having him there. It's I'm lucky. I really am. Does chronicling everything, whether it be your dad shooting, your brother shooting, or you shooting yourself, does it help you put the pieces of the puzzle together in the way that I know you you like to be by yourself when you travel and stuff like that? You like that, but you're verbalizing everything you're going through. You know, you're forced to verbalize it, even if you don't want to verbalize it. Does that help you put the pieces together, or have you ever even thought about it like that? Uh, I haven't really thought about it like that a whole lot, but it, it has helped me in the past. Like if I lose a fish or something, I can go back and look at the footage and, and, uh, kind of see what I did wrong. And a lot of the times it's like, yeah, I messed up there, you know? Um, so it's helped me that way. But as far as like, like speaking it and like being on, I don't really know that I, it might help. I don't really know. Um, probably does honestly, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. You, you've always seemed to be one of those people who it's weird. I mean, you're putting an incredible amount of pre-fish and an incredible amount of time, but you also feel like one of the most, I think it's one of your greatest talents. You're incredibly free and flowing. You know what I mean? Like for, there's people who are like, I found them on these docks and I'm going to fish these docks until these docks don't let me fish them anymore. Cause they were on, you're not that guy. Have you been able to, or at least it looks like from the outside to me, have you been able to continue to be as free on the elite series? Yeah, that yeah, that's one thing like I've really noticed that's helped me out over the past couple of years. And it, I felt it's, I felt more free this year fishing during a tournament than I even did last year in the opens. Um, 
a big part of that is being a lot of the practice I've had this year haven't been good. Um, so I just, you know, go out, go fishing and do what feels right. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely, and I used to be one of those guys, like I was stubborn. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to fish docks all day. I'm not going to put the jig down. And sometimes it works. It's worked for me before, but a lot of times it doesn't. Um, but yeah, it's, I've definitely become more, I think the older I get, the more like relaxed I get and the more I'm just willing to go try new things and, and figure out things on the fly and, and not be scared to do that. And it's hard to do it. Like, I mean, when I first started trying to expand during an event and trying to do something different and figure something out, cause what I was doing wasn't working. That's the hardest, one of the hardest things in fishing, 100%. How do you do that? How do you go in? You've left your heart out on the lake for two and a half days of pre-fish and it's sucking, but you got to go to work. <laughs> you got to figure out a way to make something happen. How do you, what is the process mentally and physically? Like, like, what do you do? Like, what do you go? Are you, I mean, obviously you have to have some kind of game plan. I mean, or do you literally idle out and be like, take me where I may go. There, there's definitely been tournaments where I don't know if I'm going left or right. Um, and I kind of just start driving the boat and looking around and just trying to do what feels right. But a lot going back to the whole practice thing, and we only get three days of practice. Um, I practiced a little different as far as like, if I get a bite, oh, like Santee, for example, Santee Cooper this year, I rolled into one area and I got one bite and it was, a, it was like a five and a half pounder. I just left. I never went back and practice because I know, you know, I only have two more days to figure something out, find some more areas, figure out what they're doing, what they want. And uh, so I'm not expanding as much on an area in practice. You know, like if we had seven days of practice, I probably would have stuck in there for another hour or two just to see if I could shake a few off. Um, but I've, I've started to fish really quick in, in practice. And uh, so come the tournament, it's like, you have these clues, but you really haven't, I haven't figured it out yet, you know? So, so when I go out in the tournament, like, yeah, I do have a general idea of where I'm going to go and what I'm going to do. I just don't know the potential of an area a lot of the times. And I kind of just take those clues I got in practice and just apply it through the day. It was like, uh, Murray, for example, I was catching them on deep stumps. Um, found one area. I fished like five stumps in there and I got like three bites and then I left went back there in the tournament and I started catching them. Well, I ran out of stumps. So I just started idling around during the tournament looking for stumps. And that's, I kind of expanded on that through the whole tournament. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. Yeah. And I, I think that that's one of the things that is not talked about in the elite series a lot. Like, I mean, I get it. Everybody sandbags and for whatever reason, nobody wants to tell the truth the night before the tournament, I, but I get it. I get it because if you put me in their situation, I'd do the same thing. But I also think that it's way underestimated how much of that is going on. How much of the, because I, I have real conversations with you guys, not on a microphone or whatever, where guys are like, dude, I caught three in there. I caught a three pounder there. And I just thought it was somewhere where I could go and maybe get a few towards the limit. And I caught 24 pounds. Yeah. And, and, and then that allowed me to, push a little for once I got 24, then I could really figure out exactly what's in that area. Yep. And then guess what? The next day I got 27 <laughs> and they, yeah. you know, that's, and that's when you win a tournament. Like, I think it's way underestimated how often, like it's more rare. It's more often that happens in the person wins. than somebody calls their shot and says, man, this week I'm on them. It's going to happen. Generally when somebody comes into an event saying that, it peters out. I find, you know what I mean? Like they yeah. might have a day or so, but it just doesn't last. Yep. For sure. And like a lot of, like, like uh, you hear people having bad practices and like they're, they're telling the truth, but yeah, they just, they just don't know the potential of that area. Cause they really don't. They're trying to, like, like I said, we only have three days. So you want to try and figure out as much as you can. Yeah. And it, it I mean, and it, it bodes better that if you don't hammer an area, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. probably going to fish better in the tournament too. Yeah. What's the coolest thing about being an elite series pro? 
coolest thing. There's a lot of cool things, Dave. Um, coolest thing. All the people you get to meet, the whole competitive side of it, and fishing against people I've looked up to. You know, that's pretty That's pretty cool. And that hits me when I get to the trough uh, before weigh-in. I'm just chilling beside G-Man or someone, you know. It's like, that's pretty cool. Um, catching big bass is pretty cool. That's fun. <laughs> um, yeah, just meeting people, the whole competitive side of it, and then fishing against people I looked up to growing up. Yeah. And then obviously the Bassmaster Classic. Yeah, the, the trough is, is such a weird part of our tournaments. It gets no hoopla around it. I mean, it's a guy standing around a trough holding fish in water that's being oxygenated yeah um, but it's like i think it's got its own world or maybe it just seems that way to me because the one part that i like never get to see other than when i like walk up and there's a few people standing there but like you i can hear like when there's big bags i can hear the reaction of guys back there and, and then you hear the laughter and trash talk it's it's the freaking locker room of pro fishing yeah. isn't it yeah that's a good way to put it a lot of chirping, a lot of yeah. chirping goes on there's, at the trough. Yeah, there's some chirping. There's a lot of fish stories about the one that got away, uh, things like that. But yeah, that's like one of my, obviously, like, it's cool being back there, you know, just seeing everyone and then and then getting up there on stage with you. But yeah, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff back in the trough that people don't see, just the fish talking and, and, and all the chatter. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's one of the coolest things. And I, and I kind of, I like that people don't see it. You know what I mean? Like it, everything gets, seems to get like, I mean, people can see little snippets of it on, there's so many YouTube. I mean, everybody on the elite series is chronicling their YouTube adventures, which is awesome. I think so you get to see little bits of it there, but I also think it's kind of cool to have certain things that you don't get to see unless you're, you're in that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you're part of a very rare club fraternity, whatever you want to refer to it as. And, and there's a cool part that comes with that. For sure. Is it tough to watch? I mean, Danny's a good buddy of yours. He's climbed the ranks with you. And then as a team that has done very well together, Danny McGarry, obviously I'm talking about Bassmaster EQ opens angler trying to make the elite series. Is it tough to watch that? You know what I mean? For you to make this next step and be like, man, I want, I want to see you here. Like it, it's gotta be weird. No. Yeah. It is a little weird. Um, for sure. Um, especially that, like, I haven't even, like, I'm so used to fishing with them so much doing stuff back home and it's like, we don't even fish anymore. It's crazy. Um, but man, I'm rooting for him. He's, he's had a, he's been struggling a little bit this year, but you know, he's, he's still confident and like, he's having fun doing it, which is the most important thing. Um, I've always said like, you have to enjoy, you have to enjoy fishing the opens. Like you have to enjoy the journey. Um, no matter what, like, I've heard some guys like, Oh, I can't wait to get out of the opens and fish the elites. It's like, I don't know. I feel like you have to enjoy the journey. Cause if you're not, you just want to, if you don't like fishing the opens and you just want to fish the elites, I feel like that's, I don't know. I feel like you have to love doing it. And Danny is loving doing it. And uh, he's going to be doing them again next year. And Good. Uh, hopefully he wins one this year. And hopefully hopefully we get to see him on the Classic and get, get all I'm, four of us up there. That would be awesome. Yeah. I'd love to see that. Um, and it, it uh, I, I think that's life, too. Like what you mentioned. Dude, there's people you run into all the time. Like when this happens, it'll be better. You know what I mean? Like you, everybody runs into that person. It's like, Oh, my truck it's broke down though. Like when I get a new truck, things will be better. And then they get a new truck and they're like, yeah, but do you know how expensive gas is? When I get a gas card, things will be better. And they're just, there's people that just always, I think that's a true, I mean, pretty astute, astute for somebody of your age to say, but like, that's life just enjoying the journey because I mean, Lord knows where the journey's going. Yeah, exactly. Like part of me's missing the opens. Like, really? Oh, yeah, oh yeah. I had so much fun doing the opens. Like, yeah. Like I think I'm gonna do them next year just because like I really missed them this year. And I'm again like I have no regrets not doing them. Um, because I did tell myself to just focus on the elites, and I'm glad I did do that. And uh, but I, I think I'm gonna hop in some next year 
because I do miss them. I met a lot of a lot of friends on the opens as well. So I would definitely definitely like to do a few next year. And yeah. What do you miss about them aside from friends? Is it just is it just seeing those people or is there other elements that that you miss? Yeah, it's it's the people and then just just the fish and like competitive fish and like it's it's fun getting out and fishing another derby. Like I want to fish more, you know. And and I don't think I could do like all nine opens, but like do a division. Um yeah. And then you have another shot to qualify for the classic too. So do you a lot of pros will talk about like they like the opens and they like the classic because they're free events. A lot of the elite, I'm talking about elite series pros when they're in those situations. And what they mean by that is they feel so bound to guarantee a limit, so bound to make sure that they leave every event with the right points to make the classic that they don't, they aren't really able to fish free. Do you feel any of that? Um, not really. <laughs> No, that's awesome. If you don't, though, <laughs> um, that's a great answer. If you don't feel it, you don't feel yeah, it. I don't know. Uh, I think I think that's the right. If you, the longer you can stay there, but I think there's a lot of people who put so much pressure on those classic points that, and and you have to because yeah. And I mean, I, I lied there a little bit. Like there's like going back to the Sabine. Like I was like, I need to catch five a day. I have to because that's gonna go a long way for classic points at the end of the year and rookie of the year kind of thing so i did lie there a little bit but like it's not something i always think about no definitely not sabine was the most that was, that was the only one that i was like this is gonna be really good or really bad and it was really bad <laughs> it was but uh, I had fun i think it's an evil more it's weird. We've been there earlier in the year. And I think earlier in the year, it seems less evil. Like it's the fourth last event. It's the time of year when everybody, you know what I mean? Like now's when everybody's puckering, you know, whether you're in contention for angler of the year, for rookie of the year, for requalifying for the elites to qualify for the classic, like everybody, all of a sudden it's like, we only have four more to go, but to put it there, like it just, I mean, 50% of every tournament is going to be a butt whooping, but it just seems easier to take the Sabine River earlier <laughs> in the year yeah. because you're like, ah, it's only the second or third event of the season. I got lots of time to come back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What? Uh, which one of the three are you looking most forward to? St. Lawrence. A little redemption on Corey? I hope so. <laughs> I would love to win one before him. Oh, I, I mean... <laughs> Oh, poor Corey. I mean, it could uh, happen. I mean, def definitely looking forward to the St. Lawrence the most. Um, yeah. St. They're all going to be, I just love smallmouth fishing. Like they're all going to be a lot of fun, but I think my best shot is the St. Lawrence. If oh. I were to have to pick one. You've done well there in the past. You've done well. Do you, do you think we'll crack a hundred again? Yeah. Or is that, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, for sure. I'll wow. be I'll be really surprised if we don't. Hundred percent. I would say a hundred percent. It's going to be a hundred plus. Barring weather, I would assume. Or do you think you're close enough to the lake that even yeah. in the bad? I mean, they they beat better in the bad weather. It seems sometimes. Hundred percent. Like, even if it's rolling out there, like they still chew. And if you have the balls to go out there and eight footers, like you will catch them. Um, they don't just stop biting. Um, I mean, it, it did really set up good last year, but like, you know, hundred pounds um, over the course of four days, even if it is blowing is so doable for sure. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of people that will still go out there in that and minimizing the amount of people that go out there in some ways makes it mathematically more likely to happen because yeah. you just don't have a group of people cannibalizing in one area. Exactly. Um, is that just time? Is that is that why we're seeing it as opposed to when we've run out of Waddington and stuff like that? Is that just the difference in weight? Is it directly a result of the amount of extra fishing time you get just because you're not running 70 miles to the mouth of the river? No, I think they're getting bigger. And I think 
anglers were getting better, especially the forward facing sonar and stuff. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're a lot easier to catch They're They, they, they really can't hide now, you know? So I think, I think between the forward facing sonar and the fact that they're just getting bigger is the reason why I don't think the time has anything to do with it a whole lot. Um, yeah, they're just getting huge. <laughs> Will they tap out? Do you think that they'll just keep growing? I know I mean, they have, they have to like, I don't know, like in 10 years, you might need 120 pounds to win. Like who knows? Like there's several seven pounders out there in 10 years, there might be several eights. Like I have no idea. I feel like it's going to get to a point though, where it won't get better as far as weights. Like it's crazy as it is right now. Like, I mean, they, they keep growing. Yeah. What do you think that the advantage of the northern anglers is less now because of forward facing sonar? Yes. Yeah, I think so for sure. 100%. How how much of a player is that in your game? Um it really all depends where we go, but like St. Lawrence, I'll be staring I'll be staring at the live scope quite a bit for sure. All three of the the next three are going to be, you know, live scope derbies. You're, you're going to be wanting to be staring at it for sure through throughout a lot of the day. But I mean, you don't like, there's definitely situations where, where you don't need to use it or, or, or things like that, but I'll be looking at it hundred percent. Do you like that as a tool or is it just a necessary evil for you or where are you at with it? Oh, I love it. Yeah. I really do you, do like it. What do you love about it? I just love that you can see the bass swimming and you can pitch right on his head and catch it. There's no, there's, there's no guessing, you know, <laughs> so like, you know what? I, I hated doing drifts. Yeah. Like, you know, and like, that's a lot of the time, like that's how you caught him and you still can catch him doing that. Like I'll be drifting this year at points for sure. Especially if there's eight footers out there, but it's just nice just being able to, to see him and pitch at him. You, you save time. And uh, a lot of times, like on live scope, you can tell if they're big or small and you're saving time that way by not fishing for small ones. Yeah. Yeah. That that's, I think the biggest advantage to it. It is a time fixer, you know, cause if there's no more, I mean, just name the event, Tyler Rivette, Lake Okeechobee. I mean, that tournament not only doesn't get one there, but he doesn't stay there if he can't see them. You know what I mean? Like, because there was times where they weren't eating, but he knew they were there because he could see them. Yeah. In the past, that's a, I fire through there with my jerk bait. I got one and then I, you know, I moved on because I couldn't get any others. But just, just the fact that you can tell where they are, what is the, if you're willing to reveal it, what, what are some of the crazy things you've learned about fish from it? Um, so I've, I've been able to learn what's a smallmouth, what's not, what's a drum, what's a catfish, things like that. Um, a lot of the times you can tell if they're going to bite just by the way they're swimming um, and react to your bait, nose down on your bait. Um, like a lot of the times I'll see one and I'll pitch on them and like you can tell pretty quickly if it's going to be a hard one to catch or it's going to be an easy one to catch. Um, obviously a lot of the times like the easy ones are going to eat it right away, but there's times like you'll pitch to one and he'll just not even nose down on, it. he'll keep swimming. And those ones can be hard to catch. Um, and those are ones sometimes I won't even fish for. Like there's times I will literally pitch at them. And if they don't eat it within two seconds, I'm moving on to another one, just looking for ones I want to eat. But, uh, yeah. And I've learned a lot about like where they live too. Like, there's, there's, there's things I've learned with the live scope over the last couple of years that, you know, I've never fished or done like with it. You know what I mean? Like if I didn't have it, I never would have learned certain things. It's taught me a lot about smallmouth fishing and largemouth. Is it, has it taught you that fish are just not in the areas that we all thought they were forever? Like they do spend time on the weed lines and on the brakes and in the docks or wherever, but they also could be just like right over there too. Yeah. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. They, they move a lot more and it's, uh, I, I just find it cool because when you get talking to anglers about live scope 
And I know to some people it's a dirty word, but it's also one of the most incredible learning tools, like all of the different things that we've, we've thought, you know what I mean? Like, like, Hey, you better box that fish because you don't want to let fish go on top of each other. I've had anglers tell me that they've had situations happen where, you know, and I always thought, okay, if I let a smallmouth go, it goes down there and secretes some, basically peas in the water and the other fish to know that I shouldn't eat or whatever. And it turns them off. But I've had anglers say that they've watched like a released smallmouth, like just swim right to the other group. Like it swims right back in the middle of them. And it just, it's wild. Like I, it almost makes you think like fish communicate. Do you think there's a chance that fish communicate Cooper? Am I nuts? Yeah. In a way, for sure. For sure. I don't know about that whole, like, pissing deal like if they go down there and pee and let them know that they just got hooked and don't eat kind of thing i don't know if that's true or not i really don't um but uh yeah i think they definitely communicate for sure they're just down there hanging out i mean i think it's foolish to think we're the only things i mean dude the i mean i live in the water you know where i live but there'll be nights that out of nowhere we have what are the um swallows you know those birds that look like they're jet fighters and they're, you know, they're, yeah, they're yeah. super, as far as birds go, I'm pretty old to be talking to you about birds. You're probably not into them. I wasn't when I was your age and I'm not really, but they are a cool bird. So they like our little fighter jets and, you know, there's a hatch that goes off and all of a sudden there is freaking two to 400 of these. Like they're not like there's two to 400 in the trees around my house. They just appear and somehow they all knew that there was a hatch going off i don't know how they communicated but but it happens and they're all there so i mean i I think i I think there's what about aliens you think aliens are real cool uh no 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 i don't think so maybe i don't know i haven't thought about it a lot but i don't know maybe what about what about the um, Sam Squanch? The Sam Squanch? No, no, not you. No. Don't believe in that. What do you believe? I'm just, I believe no. we'll just catch another bass. Yeah. <laughs> do you believe in Sam Squanch? I, I think I kind of do. Yeah, I yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if I do, but I don't not believe in it. I don't not believe. I mean, if you fly up to Plumber's Lodge and Northwest Territories and stuff, you just go forever where it's just yeah trees and there's like i just feel like it could be a thing um yeah i guess i'm with you there it it totally could be totally fake and and made up i mean so could the moon landing who knows i mean but i i I think it's i think there has to be stuff out there that we don't know like i think it's foolish to think like oh we've mastered everything like there could be a creature that just avoids people and yeah yeah hundred percent i I think a lot of the pictures we've seen of them and stuff are totally fake like I don't, yeah i think that's kind of what i pictured when you said alien <laughs> there's some wild ones though like who is it um jim shockey has like a wild. like if you look up footage i think jim shockey has had like he's not saying it's sam squanch but it's definitely something different that they got on tape or no way yeah there's there's some wild stuff i actually Cree Lake Lodge is a place we've gone to shoot pike shows in the past and great place, world-class. They claim there is an island. And next time I go back there, I'm totally doing this. But they claim there is an island you can go to where Sam Squanch country, basically. And people who have gone out there all come back and say they're never going to go again. Really? Would you spend the night in a place like that? Or am I an idiot to say I'll go do that? No, I want to come with you. That'd be cool. Boy, I mean, you'd be the perfect person because you don't believe. You'd just be like, whatever. Yeah, that'd be cool. I might believe after that weekend. You never know. Or we might just be weirdos that are like, I'm never going going back to the island. Uh, Coop, it's awesome having you on the Elite Series. Um, One of my favorite things about you, and I think it really stood out in this is there's a lot of people that want to get involved in the whatever in fishing. You know what I mean? The controversy, the stories, the this, dude, you just want to fish. That's literally. Yeah. And ever since I met you, you've been that dude who just, you just want to fish. 
I, I think it. that's pretty cool. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, no, it's uh, I love it. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. It's uh, it's pretty cool, you know. It's been a it's been a pretty wild journey, and it's it's crazy. Like it feels like yesterday we did that podcast when I was fishing the opens, talking about you know me wanting to try and make the elites, and now I'm on here fishing the elites and doing another podcast with you. I always like coming on and chatting fishing. And how about the next one? You have a giant elite series trophy right beside you. <laughs> Imagine. I think that would be awesome. That's the plan. Know. That's the dream for sure. Poor Corey. He did take that open from you. I'm just saying, yep. I mean, you were leading going to the last day. It was your moment. And then that evil Corey rolled in there. You could defend, see, cause you haven't fished all these Ontario tournaments. So you could defend the locals. I mean, how pissed must they be? Oh, I thought they were done and they just keep coming back and winning everything. So if you beat Corey, that's kind of like you defending the locals. No, <laughs> I'm going to try and beat him. I'll tell you that much, but, uh, it ain't going to be an easy task. You know, it's fishing. I'm just going to go do my best and see where we end up. But uh, I can't wait to catch smallmouth. It's been a long time, like even during this whole pre-practice deal up north. I haven't even been fishing, really. I might have made two casts in two weeks. So to actually get back on the bow of the nitro and start it's fishing, fun. it's going to be fun. I can't wait. Well, I can't wait to watch it go down. The one and only Cooper Galong. There you have it, a quick look inside the mind of a young Elite Series pro. And really, if you figured out one thing about Cooper Gallant is um, what's on his mind is, is bass. And, and whether they be largemouth, smallmouth, it don't matter. It's bass. I mean, he is obsessed with bass, and that's why he is the angler that he is. Does not waste time. On shenanigans, but I do waste time in shenanigans and for the education of this show and, of course, the show's host, which is yours truly, I did a little research on... Without further ado. What does it mean? It means without fuss or delay. So without further ado, enjoy being, have a great week, and without further ado, Bob Cop. Take us home. Thanks for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe. Because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to. You hear?